Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. How we came in. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about being immersed, immersed, and immersed. Somebody say immersed. Immersed, immersed, immersed. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. How many people want to draw closer to God? You want to live the victorious Christian life. And how many people want to follow Jesus and the plan that he has for you? Uh, you know, God has a pattern and a plan, I believe, throughout Scripture for you to live uh, the overcoming Christian life. God didn't just give you something and say, good luck. I've only given you half of it. And I hope you'll figure the rest out and maybe it'll work out for you. He gave you everything, let me believe that. He gave you everything you need to live the overcoming Christian life, right? He's not holding anything back. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave you everything you needed uh, to live the life he's called you. And there's a pattern and a plan in Scripture. And that's what I want to talk to you this morning about. 1 Corinthians 10 says that Paul said, he said, there's this example. Everything in the Old Testament, we saw this example, this pattern for us that we wouldn't sin, and we might not fall, that we would live the life that Christ died for us to live. And there's this pattern and plan. And he says, but if you want to do life outside of that pattern or plan, you want to do it by your own power or by following religion, by following your own way, be careful. He says, uh, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. If you're going to do life your own way and put religious stamp on it, it's not going to work out so well for you. You might think you stand, but take heed, you might be falling. He said, but there is a pattern, a plan uh, for those who look at Jesus Christ, because Christ is our example. He is the life. He came to show us that life, the way, the truth, the life. He came to show us the pattern for overcoming uh, victorious living. And it's all through Him. It's all Jesus. So it involves you, though... I believe, and you're going to show you a pattern today. So today is a lot of teaching. Uh, I apologize in advance. I just really want to take the fluff. I'm not here to tell jokes. I'm not here to, like, fluff you up. I'm going to tell you the Bible, and then you can believe it for yourself. How about that? Is that okay? All right. It involves you, this overcoming life involves you being completely immersed, 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 immersed in Christ. So let's look at 1 John 5, verse 5. This is the New American Standard. Who is the one... Who overcomes. Somebody say overcomes. That's what we're talking about. I want to overcome. He was the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one, capital one, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. But not just with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And it's the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. And there are three, actually, he says, that testify the Spirit and the water and the blood. And all three are in agreement. What is he saying? Father, Son, and Spirit are all one. There's three, one. He says, just as the three are one, he says, the water, the Spirit, and the blood are also one. There's one testimony of the life of Jesus Christ. And it's in three parts that he came by the blood, he came by the water, he came by the Spirit. And I believe that is a pattern for us to live a life. Jesus is our example. He is showing us how to live that life. And just just as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one, and Jesus' perfect one life is water, Spirit, and blood, I believe there are three immersions that God gives for the Christian as well to live the overcoming life. And they are just like they were for Him, they are for us. His life is an example. His life is a pattern. So that means my life, 
has the Spirit, the water, and the blood as well. So I'm going to show you this. Uh, I believe that we know we come from all different types of backgrounds and denominations in our church. Uh, some have taught different things. Some have been taught wrong things. Ta some have been taught to fear uh, the Holy Spirit and the immersion of the Holy Spirit. Some have been taught different things about water baptism. But I just want to show you the pattern in Scripture, and I want you just to believe what you believe for yourself. Uh, and I'm just going to do my best today to show you what I believe the Bible says, okay? There are three immersions, three baptisms that make one Christian life, that we are baptized into Christ we are baptized in water, and we are baptized in the Spirit. So let's look at this pattern. So I want to talk about the pattern and the plan that God's will is that you would be immersed, immersed, and immersed. You know that, uh, it's talking about the pattern, you know that God's number is three? I mean, know that. The God's number is three. Uh, numbers are a big deal with God. You look through Scripture, there's 40s, there's 7s, there's 12s, there's 3s. There's three that God is three. Spirit and Son. He's three in one, Father, Spirit, Son. There were three patriarchs. There were three closest apostles. The temple had three parts. There were three chief feasts. The Magi's gave three gifts. Jesus was in the ground three days. And even you, even you and me, we are three parts. We are uh, the mind or the soul. That's the psyche part. That's the inner me. I have a mind or a soul. That's the inner my mind, my will, my emotions. That's my soul. I have a fleshly body that's here now. But I also have a spirit that's going to live forever with God. So I have mind, body, and spirit or soul, uh, body, and spirit. However you want to say it. Soul and, and mind kind of go together in, in Scripture. That's their psyche. So even I have three parts. And if I was to say that God is uh, holy, 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 ever notice that? Only God is three parts holy. That is uh, a Semitic emphatic. That's what it is. It's, it's in the Hebrew, it's emphatic. Holy, holy, holy. Only God is three times holy. That's his number. Holy, holy, holy. So there's a pattern there of three. So I'm going to show you this. Spirit, water, and blood are three. But let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. So let's look at, go, let me take you through Scripture and look at this pattern. So let's go back with Moses. The children of Israel are getting out of slavery in Egypt. God is doing the Passover lamb. They're going into the Red Sea, and they're coming out the other side. You know this story? All right? So here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, about this pattern that God wants to live you. He wants to give you an overcoming Christian life, and it's in a threefold uh, immersion. He says, well, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Verse 2. And all, somebody say all. All. Not a few. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were baptized into Moses and in the cloud and in the sea. What does it say, into Moses? What does that mean? They were baptized. The word baptized means immerse. How are they baptized into Moses? The Bible says that they saw the wonders of what God did with the Exodus, and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. Paul says they were baptized into Moses as if they were to follow him. Remember the story is that by the word of Moses, they believed that Moses said, if you apply this lamb's blood over your doorpost, you'll live. If you apply by faith... The word of Moses told them to do it. They believed by faith, and they did it, and they applied the blood to their life. And the death angel came, and death passed over them, and they were spared from death. In a sense, they, we could say they were baptized 
in the blood. They were under the blood. They were washed in the blood because they believed in the word of Moses. So they were baptized, he says, into Moses. You're baptized into Moses. And he says, okay, well, they were baptized into Moses. So we might say into Moses or in the blood. He says, number two, they were baptized in the sea. He says, uh, you know that Red Sea, it was impassable without God. Have you, how many have seen the Charlton Heston movie, right? That's what you're going to go back to, right? You see him there, and he puts it in there, and it sticks down, and it goes back. Well, it may not have happened just like Charlton Heston did it, but it, overnight, God began to blow this back. It was an impassable water that only God can make a way. He says they were baptized. They left Egypt's slavery. They got sick of it. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And they passed from death of that into life. And he says that's like water baptism. They, God baptized them into the sea. They were as if they went into the waters of baptism and came out. And he says, number three, they were baptized in the cloud. I won't go into all the details, but the cloud led them from the Passover moment to the sea, Block the enemy. You know the Holy Spirit leads you from salvation and into obedience with Christ. He led them. And then as they went through the water for 40 more years, that cloud would cover them by a cloud by day and fire by night. And it would lead them. Everywhere they went, they were under the cloud. How many are with me? He says they're baptized into Moses, baptized into the sea, and baptized in the cloud. There's that number three again. Threefold immersion. Let's go on. In the tabernacle. They get a little further down the road. Moses, he says in Exodus chapter 35 and 36, he says, Moses, I've shown you a pattern on the mountain, a plan on the mountain. Make everything in this tabernacle just as I've showed you. All right, read Exodus 35 and 36. Even Hebrews says that what Moses saw was a foreshadow. It was a copy and shadow of what was to come through Jesus Christ. It was really Christ's life, and God has set this pattern. How did you get closer to God? How did you come near to God? What did you have to do? Well, number one, you had to pass a, a bronze altar, this big box, this big square thing, and you had to make a blood sacrifice. And the, let's think about a priest. That priest had to uh, make a sacrifice for his own sin so he could get closer to God. He had to be covered in the blood. And in fact, they would dip his right earlobe, right thumb, and right toe in the blood. And he would take the next step covered in the blood. He would take the next step, and he'd come to a, a bronze laver, a basin, a wash basin. And even though he had been totally cleansed before he walked into that place, he would wash his hands and his feet. Remember that night on Jesus was betrayed, he washed their feet? All right? He would be washed in the water. Washed in the water. And then before he could go into the most holy place, into the court where God's presence was, he had to have already been anointed with oil. Every priest that ministered, every Levite that ministered in the tabernacle had to have oil poured on his head. And they had to be, it was only an anointed priest could go into the presence of God. So there were three things you had to have happen to you before you could go minister to the Lord. You had to be covered in the blood. You had to be washed in the water. And you had to have the oil of the Holy Spirit poured over you. How many see this? Are you with me? I mean, there's a threefold immersion from the very beginning of Scripture. Uh, blood, water, and oil. Or we say blood, water, and the Spirit. Only anointed priest. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was required to minister to God. Okay, well, that was a pattern, it says, of Jesus. Let's go a little further. I'm going fast, but just stay with me. He says, well, what about Jesus? You say, Pastor, he, pa Jesus was not... Uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was not, 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 let's look at that though. 
Was he baptized in the Holy Spirit? Isn't he our example? Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Turn over there with me. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. This is the Gospels. It's in all three synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Jesus is our pattern. He's our example. So the whole Old Testament leads up to this moment. Here we are. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and He was baptized. Somebody say baptized. That was in water by John in the Jordan. And immediately, immediately coming up out of the water, he saw, John saw the heavens opening, and Jesus saw the heavens opening. And the Spirit, like a dove, not a dove, but it seemed to be as a dove, descended upon him. Somebody say, upon. In the New Testament, especially with the, with the uh, author Luke, anytime he uses the word upon, this is Mark, but Luke will use it too. Upon always signifies anointing, like they poured the oil upon the priest's head. They took this oil like we have over here on this little glass thing, and if I was to come anoint Miss Evelyn, I'd just dump it. The whole, she won't let me do that today. But I'd dump it on her head. It'd come upon her. Okay, that's kind of the word. He says, Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. We know that. We're to be born again, born of the Spirit. Jesus was 100% God, but He was 100% man. He was born of the blood through Mary, but He was born of the Spirit at birth. So He had the initial born-again experience, like what we're talking about. Then He was baptized in water, immersed in water. And why would Jesus, who was sinless be baptized in water. Why did he have to do that? Well, he really didn't, but he told John, he said, John, this is for righteousness sake. What did he mean? It was for an example. It was for a pattern. God had a threefold pattern from the very beginning. And through his life, his life is to be an example to your life and my life. He was perfect. He was without sin. He didn't need to be baptized. But he says, but this, John, he says, John's like, I don't, I don't deserve to baptize you. And Jesus says, but John, this is for right standing's sake. This is for me to show them. This is what this is for. It's an example. So John baptizes Jesus, the Son of God. And he baptizes him in water for repentance, for righteousness' sake, as an example. And when he comes up out of the water... The Holy Spirit comes and rests upon him. That is the moment Jesus began his ministry. Jesus never did any miracles. Now we know that he was in the temple and, and 12 years old. But he never began his ministry. Never ministered in that way to the Lord until the Holy Spirit came upon him. How many know that? They believe that, right? Every denomination has believed that. I'm not preaching anything weird here. He ministered to the Lord after that moment. Well, why would Jesus who was completely God, born of God 100%, had the Holy Spirit in him from birth, of the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus need the Holy Spirit to come upon him again? Because it's the same reason he got baptized. It's a pattern. It's a plan to show you how to live the overcoming Christian life. That it was his salvation. We have salvation, we have water baptism, and we have spirit, the blood, the water in the Spirit. We want to be washed in the blood, washed in the water, and washed in the Holy Spirit. God's plan is for you and me to live immersed, immersed, immersed. How many, are you with me? Somebody say amen. Okay. All right, let's look, that was the pattern. Let's look at the plan. I want to just kind of take this and I want you to put everything you, you've doctrinally been told, okay? And I'm not telling you to throw it out the window. I just want you to hear the word for itself. Some of us have been taught different things about baptism. We've been taught about uh, Holy Spirit and tongues. We've been talking about sec secondary experiences. Sometimes I think, what happens if we allow doctrine or denomination or man to get in the way? 
What happens if we ignore the pattern God has for us? What happens if we make it complicated? What happens if we let pride stand in the way and say, well, I've never done that, I don't believe in that, or, or someone told me about this, or whatever. Let's just let the Bible speak for itself. How many know that, that His Word stands on its own, right? Amen? All right, so there's the plan. There is a baptism of death, there's a baptism of deliverance, and there's a baptism of dependence. There's a baptism of death, there's a baptism of deliverance, and there's a baptism of dependence. That's what we're talking about. The baptism, you are baptized into Christ, you are baptized in water, and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of death, a baptism of deliverance, and a baptism of dependence. That is your mind or your soul, that's your body, and then there's your spirit. Because I'm three parts. I want every part of me baptized. I don't know about you. I want my whole self immersed into Jesus Christ, mind, body, and soul. Are you with me? The whole thing. I don't want one part of me. It's like, you ever seen those people, you, you get baptized and they go in, but you want to leave one foot out. You know, I want to leave one arm up just so this arm can slap somebody, right? Like, you just leave one part of you not baptized. That's kind of how I feel. Like I want the whole thing. Just dunk the whole thing into water. I want everything into me, into Jesus, all of it covered by the blood, the water, and the spirit, okay? So, how I want to live, I don't know about you, I want to live overcoming. If Jesus Christ purchased this on the cross and died and bled for it, I want it. I don't want anything that he didn't, you know, I don't want anything weird. I'm not talking about weird, but I want everything Jesus died to give me. Uh, I'm greedy like that, and I'll accept it, okay? I want all of it. I want everything he has for me. So the first is, I want to be baptized into Christ. This is the baptism of death. Baptism of death. Exodus 14 says, they believed in the Lord, 14 verse 30, uh, Exodus 14 verse 31, they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. They got hopeless and desperate. God, I'm so tired of captivity. I'm so tired of living in Egypt in this curse of sin. I'm so tired of these chains. They got desperate. They cried out to the Lord and God sent them a deliverer. Somebody say deliverer. He sent them a Savior, a Messiah. They got tired of sin. They got tired of captivity. And the same is true when you get baptized into Christ. It is to get to a place in your life where you are hopeless and helpless without Him. And I'm so tired of living in the world's captivity. I'm crying out to God for deliverance. I'm desperate. Somebody with me? Amen. I'm desperate. They got desperate. And Jesus said to His disciples in Mark 10, uh, verse 38, He says, uh, not talking about water baptism, not talking about spirit baptism. He says, do you, are you able to drink of this thing I'm about to do. He says this, uh, do you know what you're asking for? Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? The disciples wanted to be great in the kingdom. He says, but are you going to be able to be baptized with what I'm being baptized in? And he's talking about this cup of suffering. He was talking about the cross. He was talking about the baptism of blood that he was about to experience. He wasn't talking about water, and he wasn't talking about spiritual baptism. He says, I'm about to be baptized into death for you. I'm about to become the Passover lamb. You're going to believe in me, just like Israel was baptized into Moses. You're going to believe in me, and you're going to be baptized into me. And I'm going to become that Passover lamb for you. And those who believe in me by faith and, and apply the blood of that, my, I'm going to be the Passover lamb, and apply that blood to the heart's door of your home, your heart and its door, then walk out of Egypt by faith. Follow my voice and walk out of this place by faith. And that's where Romans says it. And uh, look at Romans 6, verse 3. Verse uh, 6, uh, yeah, Romans chapter 6. He says, Or do you not know that all of us, somebody say all. all. There he is, that all word again. Who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. 
When you get saved, you are baptized into Christ. You are baptized spiritually. This is a spiritual baptism. It's a spiritual moment where I have left Egypt, and I believe that my deliverer by blood has saved me out of this place. By faith, I'm going to listen to his voice and walk out of this place under the blood. And what happens in that moment? In that moment, I'm covered in the blood. How many know that only the blood saves? Are you with me? Only the blood saves. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by speaking in tongues. We're not saved by water baptism. We're not saved by spirit baptism. You are saved by the blood, by grace through faith. You're saved because you believe the Word of God, applied the blood to your heart, and you heard His voice, and you said, let's come on out of here. We're walking out. And in that moment, as soon as they, you know, as soon as they walked out of Egypt, the cloud began to cover them before they ever got to the water. Before they ever got to that water of baptism, the Holy Spirit began making a way for them to get there. When you get saved, John 3, 3, no one can come into the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they be born again. When you accept Christ into your heart and you confess Him by faith, the Spirit begins to lead your life. You should feel joy. You should feel the chains roll away. You should feel peace with God. You could sense something in your life that something has changed. I pass from death to life and I surrender myself to follow my Moses, my Jesus by faith. I leave sin's captivity. Death angel has passed over me. I'm not fearing death anymore and I'm following my Messiah and the Spirit has gotten me all the way. How many are with me? It's, there's a pattern. It's all throughout. When you ask Jesus into your heart, you receive the Holy Spirit. Look up John chapter 20, verse 22. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They breathed on Him. But here's the deal. You've got to get desperate for a change. You've got to get tired of captivity of sin. And you've got to follow Jesus out. That's what it means to be baptized into Christ. Number two is baptized into water. What is that? Baptized into water. Exodus 14 said, The waters covered the Egyptian chariots, but the Son of Israel walked out on dry land. I love that. The water was on both sides, and they walked through dry land. You know, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God takes you to impassable moments, and water baptism is a sign of something uh, visible. It's a turning point in your life. You know, John was baptizing thousands for repentance, and Jesus came and he kept the practice going. In Matthew 28, he says, Go make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were to continue this act of what he demonstrated to be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, for repentance. Why? Because just like Israel, you have got to go down into something that only God can take you through the other side. It's more than just a physical uh, issue of water. Scripture says it's not really the water that cleanses you. If you can go home and take a bath. It's not about the water. It's about what it says. That I am following Christ out of Egypt in slavery and into a promised land. And only He can take me there. I can't go there by my own works or effort. Only He can take me there. And so I'm going to go down into the depths with God and come up into new life. And sometimes you need a, a mark. You need to sometimes make a line in the sand. And more than getting into a tank or a river, I got baptized in a lake in Lake Providence, Louisiana years ago. You know, more than getting into that, it is making a declaration, a public proclamation of faith. I am not the same person I was. I'm left Egypt behind. I'm walking by faith following Jesus all the way to the heavenly promised land. Amen? It's a declaration. It's a public proclamation. It's like the, the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Philip goes to the guy and he hears the words of Jesus. He believes. He confesses Jesus. He sees some water and he says, what do I do to be saved? He says, just believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he says, 
Was there anything prohibiting me from right now just getting dunked? He says, no, go ahead. If there's, there should be nothing that prohibits you from getting baptized in water. If the thief on the cross could have come off the cross, I think he would have been baptized in water. Right? There's nothing. Only salvation is uh, by faith through the blood. But I want to follow Christ and complete the pattern. Some here today maybe got saved years ago, but you've yet to get baptized in water. Let me tell you something. God has a pattern and a plan for you. And it means being obedient and humbling ourselves to make a declaration, I follow Jesus. You know, in the ancient world, to be baptized took a lot more than it does today. You would often be ostracized from your family. You wouldn't be able to sell or buy things in the marketplace. If you're thinking about end time stuff, just come on with me. All right? You couldn't buy or sell because you had a mark of Jesus on you. You had left your family religion. You couldn't trade. You couldn't be a tradesman uh, at the Walmart. Come on. You couldn't even go in and buy something at Walmart because you were baptized in water in the ancient world. And even then, oftentimes you were marked for death. Many people in the Middle East today, if they get baptized into Christianity, they are marked for death. Years ago, we went to our detention center here, and we're sending some uh, detainees back, and we got to go in, and we got to baptize like 11 people that day, and one of them was going back to Iran. And I was just thinking, we're marking this young lady for death. She's going back to that country. And that's a mark. I want to be a dead man walking. I want to say, I'm not going, I can't go back. You can't go back to Egypt. The water is covered. It's closed. He's made a way, and there's no turning back. And some of us need to make a line in this. And more, maybe you got baptized in a tank before, but you've done crossed that river so many times you've got a boat. I don't know what you're doing to get back there. But, I mean, I want to go back to Egypt. There's no going back. There's no turning back. I will follow him. Amen? That's water baptism. It's more than an outward sign. It's a declaration. I am not going back. I'm leaving my worldly way to walk in the heavenly way. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, I'm baptizing to Christ. I'm baptizing the water. And now the next one. I'm baptizing the cloud. I'm baptized. I'm immersed in the Holy Spirit. John uh, the Baptist, not talking to the 120, talking to his own followers, said, As for me, I can baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is so much mightier than I. I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. And he will immerse you. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you know that spirit that hovered over them was cloud by day, fire by night? He will immerse you in spirit and in fire. He will immerse you. He will cover you. He will anoint you. He will baptize you. And while a man or a disciple can baptize you into water, only Jesus can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus. And I'm talking denominationalism here. I'm talking that men and women from Acts chapter 2 until now have continually been immersed in the presence of God. I don't care what your denomination, I don't care what you, I read all kinds of people, all kinds of people. And there are men and women of every denomination who have been immersed in the presence of God and done things for God that nobody ever thought possible because they led a life immersed in the Holy Spirit. You see, this was a promised plan. It's still the same pattern. So let me take the last, the, just wrapping it up, the, the, the last part of every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you make a singular narrative, here's what happened. In John chapter 20, verse 22, the disciples have seen his scars. They believe him. Thomas is there. He says, touch me. Do you believe I'm resurrected? They believe. And he lines all of them up and he says, Whew. he breathes on them and says, receive, your King James, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's how I learned it, okay? Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. 
And in Matthew 28, he says, Now go therefore, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, he says, Behold, these signs are going to follow those who believe in my name. They're going to handle deadly things. They're going to lay hands on the sick, and they're going to recover. They're going to speak with new tongues. They're going to do all kinds of crazy things. They're going to go out there. But then he says in Luke 24, he says, But wait, wait until you receive the power from on high, the promise of the Father. Wait in Jerusalem. It would be 10 days later, the day of Pentecost. He says, and you will receive the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, John baptized, he says to them, right before he sins, John baptized them with water. John immersed them in water. But you will be immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days now. So here's the question. If they believed in the blood... They believed in the blood. They saw him. He's resurrected from the dead. I put his hand, my hands here, my side here. You know, hands in the side, hands in the holes, right? I believe. And I'm saved by faith. How many know you're saved by faith alone? Because of the blood of Jesus. We just demonstrated that. And then I believe that when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus breathed on them, just like God breathed into Adam the breath of life. They were a new man. They were a new Adam, Romans chapter 5. They received the breath of life. They received the Holy Spirit, John 20, verse 20. Very overlooked verse, John 20, 22. They received the breath of the Holy Spirit. If they were saved by the blood and by the Spirit, why then did he say, wait till you receive the Holy Spirit power from on high? Why did he wait? Why, if you had the Holy Spirit, if you're saved by grace through faith, you're saved by the blood alone, you receive the Holy Spirit, I believe you're saved, you're going to heaven. Why did he say, go get immersed in the Holy Spirit? Because there's a threefold immersion. You're going to have to just be saved by faith through the blood. You receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to heaven. But there's a pattern here. Just as the oil was needed for the priest to minister to the Lord, just as Elijah had anointing that was transferred to Elisha, just as the cloud covered them, they got out of Egypt, they were saved, they went into the water of baptism. But God wanted them to live a life that was covered till they got to heaven, till they got to the promised land in the Holy Spirit. You don't just get out of the tank and go do it on your own. You need to have a life immersed in the presence of God till you get to heaven. How many are with me? That's baptism. It's not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing of covering in the Spirit till you reach heaven. Let me go on just a real quick, real quick. They were cloud covered, just like we want to be Spirit covered. Pentecost comes, 120 praying believers. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled. Somebody say filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages as the Spirit was giving them the ability. This is the immersion. Luke said, there's only two times it talks about this one moment being baptism. And Luke, for the rest of the book of Acts, says they were filled or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This baptism event was not a one-time, listen to me, I don't, I don't, many of us come from different denominations, I understand. And I'm going to be as non-denominational as I can. I want to just be just Jesus. This baptism immersion that was prophesied by Jesus in John was not a one-time event in Acts 2. 
Luke says they were filled and filled and filled and filled and filled. There's five times people were filled in the book of Acts. And many times there was mighty demonstrations of the Spirit. And for the rest, we got people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit 300 years after Christ in the early church father's records. It did not end on the day of Pentecost. I'm sorry if you were told that. It just didn't. There's so much evidence in the early church fathers. People were speaking in tongues, raised from the dead, 300 years after Jesus. Okay? I'm just, I'm just being, I love you. I want to tell you the truth. That immersion was not a one-time thing. It was a cloud-covered church that God was going to keep covered until He came to take them home. It's a cloud-covered church. It's an immersed church. It's not a one time I did something at the altar and maybe spoke in a heavenly language or something happened emotionally. It is that I want to be a cloud-covered Christian. I want to be an immersed Christian that never leaves me, just takes me all the way to glory. And that's what I'm praying for us, a cloud-covered Christian. So Luke said, this is the immersion. This happened on the day of Pentecost. This immersion began then, and it continued. Let me show you how. It was three, one to three years later. One to three years later in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, Philip was preaching to Samaritans. He says they were baptizing men and women. Verse 12, Acts 8, 12. He was baptizing men and women. But Peter and John in verse 15, here's what happened. Peter and John hear about it. They come down and they praise for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, Acts chapter 8. For he had, listen, not yet fallen, how? Upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now listen, if repentance and water baptism alone saves you, and we believe that, why did the apostles need to come? Why did they need to come? Philip had baptized them. Signs and wonders were happening. Joy. They had their sins rolled away. They experienced that. And then the apostles here and say, well, let's go down and pray for them. They might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come upon them. Because there was a threefold immersion. A threefold immersion, water, spirit, and the blood. We want to be saved and baptized into Christ, baptized into water, and baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. That was three years after Pentecost. What about 20? Let's go 20 years in the future. Let's fast forward. Acts comes along and goes. Paul is now preaching in Acts chapter 19, verse 2. And he comes and finds 12 disciples. Sorry, just listen, to, follow with me. 12 disciples, 20 years after Pentecost. He says to these guys, they're disciples, they believe. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. That's like most denominations today. I don't even know if there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? I've never heard of this before. He says, okay, well, and what were you baptized then? And they said, well, we were baptized with John's baptism of repentance, telling him But Paul says, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in Him, Jesus, who was coming after Him. That's in Jesus. Verse 5, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak with unknown languages and prophesying. Okay, here's my question. Why did Paul, the greatest theologian to ever walk the earth, this is Paul, like the Paul, the guy who wrote a third of the New Testament, Paul, why did he ask a believer, who he thought it was a believer, if you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe, if you always receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Amen. Right? Shouldn't he know better theology than that? This is Paul. I mean, come on, right? Paul, are you with me? Y'all go wake up. I mean, this is good stuff. Why, why did Paul ask a person who... He thought, they have the disciples, they say, he says, did you receive the Holy... I want to just make sure. Did you get the threefold thing? You got to receive... When you believe, he asked him, did you get it all when you believed? 
And they say, well, you haven't even heard there is this thing, Holy Spirit. So he says, okay, let's start over. <laughs> let's make sure you go with what you're talking about. There's Jesus. So let's get baptized. All right, you know what you believe. And he says, let's pray for you now. Just like Jesus' pattern, they were born again, baptized in the death of Christ. They were baptized into water. And when they came up out of the water, just like Jesus, he laid his hands on them, and they received the immersion of the Holy Spirit. Something evident happened in their life. They were prophetically empowered to speak forth the Word of God in a way they'd never spoken the Word of God before. Their life forever changed. They weren't the same person. They had something with them on this journey. There was not just salvation. It wasn't just in the water, but something they came out and led the rest of their life with. God wanted them to be immersed, immersed, and immersed. All right, let me wrap it up. You know, in Numbers 9, that cloud, the Bible says it stayed here for a while. It went there. Sometimes it stayed a few months. Sometimes it stayed a few days. But it says, whether long or short, Numbers chapter 9, wherever the cloud went, they went. Whether it was long or short, wherever the cloud went, they went. This is what Paul says. He says, guys, Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. He says, guys, if you live in the Spirit... You're alive. You're, you're born again. You're alive in the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He says, but then let us walk in the Spirit. Do you see that? He said, they came through the water of Christ. They were baptized in Moses, baptized in the sea, baptized in the cloud. And wherever the cloud went, they went. And Paul says, guys, if you're living in Christ, if you're living in the Spirit, you're alive in the Spirit, you need to learn how to walk. Wherever the Spirit goes, you go. Wherever the Spirit stays, you stay. That is a life baptized, immersed in the Spirit. Listen, I'm not asking you to have a moment of speaking in tongues like some denominations might tell us to do. I'm asking you to have a life immersed. It's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than emotionalism. It's much bigger than a heavenly prayer language. I, I, I could be like Paul and say, I speak in tongues more than you all. I believe in that. But I'm talking about a life that's immersed in the cloud. That wherever the Holy Spirit goes, I go. Wherever the Holy Spirit stays, I stay. And I want to be a life not just living in the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit. How many with me today? Somebody say amen. amen. All right, let me tell you one story, then I'm going to be quiet. You see, this is a free gift. It's not a denominational thing. Acts says this is for you to have a power to witness. And if Jesus is the baptizer... Sometimes we've had so much fear put in us uh, by denominations or preaching or teachings, and we don't know if this is a good thing or not. We think maybe it's been, you might have been told it was of the devil. But the Bible says if Jesus is giving it, and it, it's always good. God knows how to give a good gift. He loves to give good gifts, and if you ask for the Holy Spirit, He's going to give you a good gift. It's not going to be a bad thing. And if it's of Jesus, it's always good, right? One of the best stories I've ever heard about a person being baptized in the Spirit is not from a Pentecostal, it's from a Presbyterian. I'm going to tell you this really quick narrative of Charles Finney, one of my heroes of the faith. Charles Finney was uh, born in 1792, and he thought what he heard of Jesus was completely absurd. A very smart man, and he was studying to be a law and, and to, to be a lawyer, very, very brilliant man, semi-atheist. And so, but his pastor in town began coming by his law office as he studied every day and trying to witness to him. And so secretly, he was so prideful, he said, I'm not going to let anybody know I'm studying the Bible. So when nobody was around, he'd lock the door, he'd come out over the candle, and he would read the Bible. And as he began to read the Bible, man, they began to convict him. 
God began to convict us all. And he got to the point where he was so anxious about dying and going to hell and for eternity, he, he didn't know what to do. It troubled him so much. But he couldn't let anybody know because there was so much pride there. So in 1821, he took a Monday and Tuesday off. And he said, I'm going to settle this once and for all. I have got to pray through till I get saved. I just believe it. But he wouldn't tell nobody. So what does he do? On Monday, Tuesday, he locks his office. He goes to tell her walk. And the spirit was, he was just so like, if I died today, I was going to go to hell. So he ran off into the woods and began to pray his heart out. Just lay it all out there. God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if this is true. But I know I got to get right if I die today. I don't think I'd make heaven. And he just began to, and it, before long, the whole day had gone. And then he'd hear a crack in the woods. He thought, oh, someone's going to hear me. I don't want anybody to hear me. So he'd be quiet. And that went on for two days, just wrestling with God. He'd just get up and go out there. To, and finally, on that Tuesday afternoon, it finally broke. He felt like he saw the resurrected Jesus in his spirit. And he just confessed God as Lord and Savior. And he said, it was like my sin was rolled away. He said, I felt like joy. I had no more fear of death. And he just went back to his office that uh, Wednesday morning. And he was like, I'm saved. I'm saved. I, I know I'm saved. And so he began to just, all day, floating on cloud nine. Well, he's like, well, I probably should go pray again. So Wednesday night comes. He goes to his office, makes sure nobody knows. Locks the door, and he begins to pray. He's put the fire going, and he began to break. He just began to pour his soul out to before God, and he broke down at Christ's feet. He just began to weep and weep and, and groan and pour his soul out to the Lord for saving him. And here's what he wrote in his diary. Listen to this. But as I turned and I was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism, immersion, of the Holy Ghost, without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought of it in my mind that there was even such a thing for me, without any recollection, I have even heard of a thing mentioned by any person in the world, that the Holy Ghost descended on me in a matter that seemed to utterly go through me, both body and soul. I could feel the impression. It was like a wave of electricity. It was going through me and through me. And it seemed to come in wave and wave of liquid love. I couldn't express it any other way, he said. I, it seemed to me that the very breath of God, I can't recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. He said, I wept aloud with joy and love. And I don't know that I should say I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. Wave after wave came over me, over me and over me, one after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. And I said, Lord, I can't bear it anymore. But I had no fear of death. That's beautiful. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, but I remember on a Tuesday night when I was in high school, that very same thing happened to me. It wasn't about anything crazy. It was just me experiencing the true joy, true love, true peace of God for the very first time. God became so tangible to me. And it changed my life for the rest of my life. I mean, my whole direction of life changed. That I knew I had experienced the immersion of the Spirit. And let me tell you something. It wasn't just one time. It was over and over and over throughout these many years of my life that I've since then that God has just filled me and filled me and filled me and immersed me and immersed me and immersed me in His presence. So I don't know where you are today, where you're at. I know that God said, stop preaching what you want to preach, and I want you to say this. I know that God has a reason for that. 
And maybe today you're in, you come from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds. You've been told all kinds of things. I just want you to believe the Word of God for itself. God wants you to be immersed, immersed, and immersed. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Just take a moment to respond to the Lord. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe some of us today need to be baptized into Christ. We need to make that moment where we apply the blood of the Lamb to our hearts by faith. And we die to self and we just say, God, I'm, I, I need to follow my Messiah out of this place. And